shores of Galilee. When Jesus touched those blinded eyes and made them see, and though I did not see the empty tomb that day, I still believe, for I know what Jesus did for me. an interesting ministry. We're not always uh, confronted with ministries that are seeing that kind of success or at least making that kind of inroad, and we're excited about that. I'm anxious to hear what the Lord has put on this man's heart. I hope and trust that you'll open your ears and your hearts to the Lord and certainly pay close attention. I don't believe that Brother Way is here by coincidence or chance. I believe he's here by divine providence. So let's just let God speak to our hearts today and make a difference in our lives this evening. Thanks, sir. Thanks so much. All right, take your Bibles and turn your wheel to the book of Isaiah, chapter 62. Isaiah, chapter 62. And we'll get there in just a moment and read some verses from the Word of God. I want to ask you some questions to start off. And by the way, I love that song. One of my dear friends, he passed away several years ago. His name was Jerry Nunley. He used to sing that song. And Man, just every time I think of it, I hear him singing that song, and my heart just aches for him. He's been gone. He, he got some kind of disease. I can't remember. It had a long name to it. And, and, uh, but he sang that song many times in our church. And, boy, it just brought tears to my eyes. But isn't that true? 
what Jesus did for me. Amen? All right, I'm going to ask you three questions. I don't answer them out loud, but I want to ask three questions, and then I'm going to go back and re-ask those questions and answer them. And uh, so just think to yourself quickly as we ask the questions. So three questions. Number one, how many of you have a close friend that's a Jew? Second question, how many of you know someone who's a member of a Jewish religion? And the third question, how many of you have read Jewish literature? Okay, so let's re-ask the questions. Number one, how many of you have a close friend that's a Jew? Okay, it's a trick question, folks, because Jesus Christ is a Jew. So everybody's hand ought to be raised, amen? So get your hands up, all right? Second question, how many of you know someone who's a member of a Jewish religion? Our Baptist faith is Jewish. Yes. Have you ever thought about that? It's not American. It's not European. It was started by a Jew. And our Messiah is a Jew. Our Baptist faith is Jewish. So you do know someone who's a member of a Jewish religion. If you're a member of this church, then you know that that was started by, introduced by John the Baptist when he said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So a Jew introduced a Jew. So our Baptist faith is Jewish. Now the third question, surely you know, how many of you read Israeli literature? This is a Jewish book. Now, we as Americans are sometimes narrow-minded and arrogant. We think it's all about us. But let me tell you something, folks. We, are, we have so much to, to, we owe the Jews that we're not aware of. And we owe them a lot. So there in Isaiah 62, I want you to look at verse number 1 with me. Uh, and let me read it, and you read it silently. For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest until the righteous thereof go forth as brightness. And the salvation thereof is a lamp that burneth. Now, strictly speaking, we know that Zion refers to an important mountain in, in the land of Israel, the land of, uh, of Israel, the, the, the city of Jerusalem. And there's times when we use that word to refer to the entire city, and it's used as, as referring to the entire nation. But you get the idea that, that the name Zion and the name Israel are synonymous. And toward the end of the 19th century, there was a movement started by a man named Theodore Herzl. And the movement was to to get the children of Israel back to the land of Israel according to Ezekiel chapter 37. And that movement became known as Zionism. And today, those of us who are firmly behind the children of Israel and the land of Israel, we would call ourselves Christian Zionists. Now let me make a few statements and listen carefully. I don't believe you can be a good Baptist without being a Zionist. Because we cannot be good Baptist Zionists because we need, without realizing the fact that we need to know what the Word of God says about our Jewish heritage and that that land belongs to the Jews. And as a Christian and as a born-again Christian, as a Zionist, do I look at what the Bible says according to Genesis chapter 12 when God said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. So does our position as Christians or does our position as a church do our actions bless the seed of Abraham according to God's biblical command? So the question tonight is, what are we doing for Zion's sake? What are we doing that we see here in Isaiah 62 for Zion's sake? There's three things I want to point out to you tonight, uh, and I'll give you the three points and I'll come back to them. Number one, we ought to be warning. Number two, we ought to be working. And number three, we ought to be witnessing. Now go back to that verse there. Notice that phrase there. It says, will I not hold my peace? Number one, we should be warning. And we have a saying, that, and you've heard this at least once in your life, when somebody says, I can't hold my peace. What are they saying? I've got something important to say, and I'm not going to be quiet about it. 
And the Bible says, for Zion's sake, somebody needs to speak up. Somebody needs to say something, and it says we ought to be warning Israel. And I believe that works two directions. We need to warn Zion of some things, and then we need to warn others about some things about Zion. Listen, I believe as a born-again Christian, we have a responsibility to warn Zion about the danger of giving up the land that God gave them. If you believe this book, then you need to understand God gave them that land. That belongs to them. doesn't belong to the Arabs. And let me help you out here. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. That's a made-up term. There's never been a Palestinian anything. The word Palestine is a geographical term. I live in North Texas. We call it the North Texas area. And that means I'm a North Texan. It doesn't mean I'm a, a special group of people. And that word Palestinian simply means a geographical. At one time they said Palestinian Jews because they were saying they live in that geographical area. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. They're Arabs. They're either Saudis or Yemenis or... Or, or Jordanians, or, or Lebanese, or Syrians, or Egyptians. There's no such thing as Palestinians. That's a made-up term that only came about in, in, the, in the early 60s and up through the 1967 war. But we have responsibility to tell the children of Israel, that land belongs to you, do not give up any land. I'll be sitting in the vice prime minister's office here in a few months, and I'll sit down with him again, as I have in times past, and say, vice prime minister. And he agrees with me, and I agree with him. So it's like preaching to the choir. But I just always say, vice prime minister, let me just say one more time. There's a group of Christians back in America that don't want you to give up one square inch of that land to the Arabs. Not give up one square inch, because I believe every time they give up land, that is a slap in the face of God Almighty. Because God gave it to them. And we have found out that when they give away land, they don't get peace. They get more terrorism. And I have sent letters. I have sent emails. I have sent faxes to Prime Minister Netanyahu and Vice Prime Minister Yalon, several Knesset members. You'll like this. One of the Knesset members that I met with several times, his name is Uzi Landau. What a name, Uzi. He's a paratrooper. He's about 78, 80 years old, and he, he's still very physically fit. And, and I try to talk to him to let me jump out of an airplane, but he won't let me. But anyhow, I, I sit down with him and I say, hey, listen, as a, and I show him the Bible. I say, as a born-again child of God, I believe this book, and I'm telling you, don't give up any land for peace. And they say, why do you care? So because I believe that book, and I cannot hold my peace. Several years ago... There's a great contingency of Jews living in Dallas County, and I live about 65 miles north of downtown Dallas, and, and uh, the Jewish Federation of Greater Dallas, and they had a meeting, and I'm on their website, I mean on their email list, and they said they're going to have a meeting, and it, I don't remember what day it was and even what month it was, and they said there's going to be a, a, a guest lecturer who's going to be talking about the peace process with the Palestinians. Well, that's automatically a red flag. When a Jew calls them Palestinian, that tells me the Jews don't even know the history. So I called them on the phone, I said, can I come? They said, sure. I said, well, now I'm not a Jew and I'm not a member of the Jewish Federation of Dallas. And I said, you sure? Yeah, you can come. I said, I'll be there. And so I went. And they were very friendly. And, and I showed them a picture of me and the vice prime minister, you know, trying to impress them with my contacts. And we were sitting in a room that, that was about the size of, of, of these two aisles here. And there was a row of tables this way and a row of tables this way. And people were sitting on the outside to kind of a horseshoe type shape. And this woman got up and she waxed eloquent about how that they had to give away land for peace and how that they had the Jews needed to compromise and all this stuff. And so I'm sitting over here. And she said, now, does anybody have any questions? <laughs> So I'm over here. 
And so she, she, said, she looked and she said, any questions over here? <laughs> any over here? And I'm going. <laughs> now, everybody in the room can see me because I'm sitting right here at the front. She finally said, yes, sir. And I stood up and I said, I don't think you ought to give up one square inch of land to those stinking Arabs. Listen to this. I got five amens. <laughs> From the Jews. They went, amen, 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 amen. I'm going, and then she said, now, sir, you don't, I said, no, you don't understand. It made them so mad that they canceled my ad in their next publication. They sent me a $300 check back. Can you believe it? A Jew sent money back. They wouldn't print my ad. Because my ad had a picture of me and the vice prime minister says, Gary Way loves Israel. They canceled it because I had the audacity to not hold my peace. Can't do it. Now go to Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8. You say, where's the book of Zechariah? Well, just find the book of Matthew and back up a few pages. You'll find the book of Zechariah. When you get my age, sometimes some of these little books disappear. You know they're in there. You just can't find them. Zechariah chapter 2, verse number 8. I want you to see what God says. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, After the glory he hath sent me into the nations which spoileth you. Now notice this phrase. For he that toucheth you, toucheth the apple of his eye. See, you understand the word of God, the voice of God said, If you harm Israel, it's like touching the apple of his eye. Now I don't know how the expressions are up in this part of the country, but down where I live, down in Texas, when you say it's the apple of your eye, you're saying it's not just special, it's very special. It is so special. I'm pointing out to you that it's not just special. It is the apple of my eye. And God said, if you touch Israel, you're touching something that's very precious to me. Now, back up a few years, President, former President Bush, his decision makers, primarily Condoleezza Rice. And that, when I hear that name, Condoleezza Rice, and now she's on the committee for the bowl championship bowl stuff here, that really upsets me because she couldn't get that right. She'll mess the bowl championship series up too. She decided she needed to convince Israel to give away land. 2004, my first trip, I was long. All of those communities. By the way, there's no such thing as a settlement. Do you consider where you live a settlement or a community? It's a community. You say, why do they call them settlements? Because they're trying to make it derogatory. It's a community of people. They build homes. They have, they have a mayor. They have a city council. They have schools. They have stores. They have shops. It's a community. It's not a settlement. But they convinced the Israeli government, to force out 9,000 people out of their homes and give that land to the Arabs. Myself, along with Dr. Vineyard, arranged for a protest in Crawford, Texas, where President Bush's summer home was. We still has a home there, a ranch there. We had a couple thousand people. We organized the rally. I sent two trucks down. We put the two flatbed trucks, put up a big stage, all stuff like that, and got up and said, President Bush, Errol Sharon, don't do it. Don't give up those Gaza communities. Don't do it. Don't do it. And we were so vocal, they sent the Secret Service over to ask us what we were doing. Of course, Brother Vener, he said, Gary, you and Brian go talk to them. So we and Brian went and talked to them. We said, we're, not, we're, we're peaceful. We just want President Bush and Prime Minister Sharon to understand that land belongs to the Jews, and they shouldn't give it up. You say you're pretty serious about it. Well, for Zion's sake, somebody's got to say something. And we did, and they gave it up. But wait a minute. 
By the way, let me just say this. They gave up those communities and they didn't get peace. They got 15,000 rockets. My son and I were there in those Gush Katif communities in 2004. Within months, now don't miss this, within months of our government forcing 9,000 people out of their homes, Hurricanes Katrina and Rita forced 900,000 Americans out of their homes. You say, that's a coincidence. No, it's not. And Errol Sharon, right after that, had a stroke and never recovered and died about six months ago. So what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is, when you touch Israel, you're touching the apple of his eye. And God said, I'll bless him that bless thee, and I will curse him that curseth thee. You understand in Exodus chapter 5, when God sent Moses to Pharaoh and said, let my people go, Pharaoh found out it's bad foreign policy to mess with the Jews. When Haman, an enemy of the Jews, got permission from the king to kill the Jews, he ended up swinging in the same hangman's news on the hangman's stand that he prepared for Mordecai, the Jew. That's right. Yes. Less than 100 years ago, there was a saying that went something like this, the sun never sets on the British Empire. And it was a true statement. They were the largest global power, the largest empire in the history of the world. During World War I, the, the country of Britain had developed a smokeless gunpowder that was required a chemical called cordite. If you didn't put cordite in the gunpowder, it was then it became it had smoke to it, so you put the cordite. But to make cordite, it required acetone, and they ran out of natural resources for acetone, so they couldn't produce the gunpowder. And let me just say something: you can't win a war without gunpowder. They turned to a Jewish chemist named Kaim Weitzman. He had been born in Britain, raised in Britain, but he was a Jewish chemist. They said, we need your help. And he, he, he had already, before this time, he already had it planned. He had produced a synthetic enzyme through fermentation to produce acetone. And because of his process, they were able to produce the acetone, which produced the cordite, which produced the smokeless gunpowder. By the way, it's the gunpowder we use for 90 years. After the war. They were so appreciative. And they said, what can we do for you, Kyle Weitzman, to, to show you how, we, how, how much we appreciate you? And here's what he said. There's only one thing I want, a national home for my people. And Lord Balfour gave Weitzman 15 minutes to explain why the national homeland should be the land of Israel. And it became known as the Balfour Declaration of 1917. And it granted a homeland in Israel to the Jews. However, to please the Arabs... To keep the oil flowing, the British did not honor their own Balfour Declaration. They divided the land and gave the Arabs the best land. And not only that, the British supplied weapons to the Arabs who constantly attacked the Jewish people. And the British authorities did nothing or little to stop the Arab attacks and seldom, if ever, came to the aid of the Jewish people. And so immigration slowed to a trickle. In 1933, Hitler came to power. And the Jews once again begged for intervention. But the British and even the Americans ignored their cries. Six million Jews were killed between 1933 and 1945. Let me help you out something. Almost two million of those were children. Twelve and under. Nobody paid attention to the Jews. On June the 6th, 1946, President Truman, after a personal letter from Dr. J. Frank Norris, the father of the Independent Baptist Movement, Truman urged the British government to get back and honor their 
declaration. You say, why are you telling us that story? Because those of us who understand history, after World War II, Britain no longer was a world empire. And today, Britain is not a first-rate world country. It's at best a second-rate and probably a third-rate country. Because when you touch the apple of his eye, God says, I'm going to get you. And let me help you out some folks. I'm scared for our country today. Because our country's turning their backs on Israel. And God says, I will curse him personally. I will curse him that curses him. History shows us that that covenant made with Abraham is still relevant today. And let me ask you a question. If God allows entire civilizations to rise and fall according to the treatment of Israel, is it unreasonable to think that he'd do the same thing for a church? I believe we ought to do our best to be a blessing to the Jews. And I believe God will honor that same promise that he made to Abraham. Can I tell you that Moses and Samuel and Nathan and Elijah and Jeremiah and Daniel and John the Baptist and Paul and many others, including our Messiah, were not afraid to face a politician and say, You are wrong. And for Zion's sake, I stand before the politicians of America. Last March of a year ago, I was in the Capitol with the Capital Connection, Dr. Chuck Harding met with 14 representatives from Texas. And every one of them that I had a chance to talk to, I said, whatever you do, don't mess with Israel. So why is it important to you? Because it's important to God. And we need to be warned. Number two, we need to be working. Look there in Isaiah chapter 62 again and look at that phrase there where it says, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. So we need to be working. I said, number one, we should be warning. Number two, we should be working. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest. If you're not resting, then, then you're working. And then working in this case for Jerusalem's sake. Now, are we resting in the fact that we say we're doing something Israel? Or are we doing something to prove that we're on Israel's side? Now, I want to show you some verses that maybe you've seen them before, but maybe I can put it in context to understand what the Gentile ministry is doing. Turn to Romans chapter 15, verse number 26. Romans chapter 15, verse 26. Now, I wish... Brother Donald, that I would have learned this when I was a young man. But I didn't learn it until the last few years. And I've had to ask God for forgiveness. Because it, it's been there all the time. But I want to show you something that, that, that cemented in my heart. And I hope it cements in your heart tonight to get involved in the Gentile ministry. Romans fifteen twenty six. Now I want to see if you're a good Bible student here. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints who are at Jerusalem. Now who are these people of Macedonia and Achaia? Have you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 about the Macedonians who in a deep poverty and a great trial of affliction were willing to give beyond? That's who that's talking about. Those Gentile Christians, they weren't Jews, they're Gentiles. Those Gentile Christians from Macedonia and Achaia, and the Bible said it pleased those Gentiles to make a contribution to the Jews in Jerusalem. But don't miss this. Look at the next verse. It hath pleased them verily. Okay, it has said in verse 26, it hath pleased them. Verse 27 said it hath pleased them verily. Not only did it please them, they were very pleased, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual thing, things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Now don't miss this. Think with me. Real, let's, let's slow down here. Look at the word Gentiles. That be me and you. Okay? Look at the word duty. And then that phrase, minister unto them in carnal things. Now, if you allow me some grace, I might rephrase it like this. 
the duty of those born-again Gentiles is to minister to the Jews in carnal things. These Gentile Christians from Macedonia and Achaia, it pleased them to minister to the Jews. Now watch this. This is something we miss here. In carnal things. What does the word carnal mean? It means non-spiritual. Are you following me? These Gentile Christians said it pleases us to be able to minister in a non-spiritual way. Now, if I'd have stood up here a few years ago and said, look, I want to help, I want to raise money for a mobile library container, I guarantee you that some of you sitting out there would have said, now, preacher, I'll give money for Bibles because that's spiritual. But I'm not giving money for a container because that's not spiritual. Am I telling the truth? But the Bible says, you and I, because we are debtors, it ought to please us to do something for the Jews that's not spiritual. Is that what it says? It says they're debtors, they are, and it pleased them to minister unto those Jews in carnal things. That's why I said a while ago, we raise money for bulletproof vests, flashlights, walkie-talkies, spotting scopes for those people who live on the, the Gaza Strip that live about a mile, mile and a half away from the Gaza Wall who get the rockets all the time. You say, why are you buying that stuff? To be a blessing. To be a blessing. It does say if you'll bless them. It doesn't say you have to bless them in spiritual things in Genesis chapter 12. It just said if you'll bless them, I'll bless you. Now, what are we doing to keep them from being blown up, from being shot? We get bulletproof vest. And I feel like it's our duty because we owe the Jews a debt. Right. We do. And those Gentile Christians in Macedonia, it pleased them. It, didn't, it, it, pleased, it pleased them very much. So they said, we're debtors. We owe them a debt. And we'll send them some money. A few years ago, Brother Sharp was in our church and he said, he said I need some money for, to buy some Leathermans. Those $70 Leathermans. If you know what it is, I can't. It's just kind of a multi-tool and Leathermans is the best brand. And, and I said, well, I said, I'll tell you what, Brother Sharp, we'll, 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 we'll go buy, I'll give up to $1,000. So I went into Cabela's. And before we left Gainesville, we prayed, said, Lord, help us today as we go. You know, we're going to go to Cabela's. Every man ought to say, Lord, help us go to Cabela's. Amen. <laughs> we walk in Cabela's. There's a big sign. Leatherman's today, $39.95. I didn't just write a check. I wrote a check for almost 1300 bucks buying Leatherman. You say, why? Because those Jewish authors, when we give them a Leatherman, for being a blessing to them. But wait a minute. Then they say, tell me more about what you believe. Because I was a blessing to them, they will listen to me tell them about Jesus Christ. They'll let me walk on a base with two duffel bags full of Bibles and start handing them out to the soldiers. And the soldiers say, what's the Bible? Well, why are you giving this to me? Because I want to be a blessing to you. Why do you want to be a blessing to us? Because I believe what, Jesus, what God said in Genesis chapter 12, that if I bless you, God will bless me. And I like to be blessed. I'm kind of selfish that way. I like to be blessed. They'll say, well, now, who are you? 
I said, I'm nobody. I'm just a born again sinner saved by grace. But I'm here to tell you, God loves you. And I said, what, what's a Christian? What does that mean, born again? <laughs> now I've got their attention. And I can tell them about Jesus. Maybe for the first time, I can tell them that Jesus died for them. Probably 10,000 Jews drive within 100 yards of the garden tomb every day and have no idea what took place there. But I get an opportunity to tell them what Jesus did for them. And every time I tell them, my heart gets full because I'm, I'm telling you maybe for the first time the gospel story. And they always say, tell me again. Tell me again. So we've got to be working. And, and we've got to do it some carnal things. Now, we do raise money for Bibles. And we, 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 we're in the process right now trying to raise about $28,000 to buy some Bibles to take the land of Israel. That's part of our project. That's what the Jim Tom ministry does. We raise money for Bibles and people give money for Bibles. But I'm simply saying there are some times when you and I ought to follow the examples of those Christians in Macedonia and minister and try to be a blessing to the Jews. And how do we do that? Well, how about trying to keep them blown up or shot or stabbed or beaten or starved or kicked out of their homes? I mean, what are we doing? Now, we don't see a lot of spiritual fruit. Let me ask you a question. How many of you got saved the first time you heard the gospel? Not many. In fact, it's pretty hard to find. Every now and then I'm finding it more and more. But it's really hard to find somebody who doesn't understand the gospel story. Now, in Israel, they've never heard it. And we're celebrating Easter this Sunday, and everybody thinks, well, everybody knows about Easter. They don't in the land of Israel. And so we're trying to work for them so that we can give it. Now, let me ask you a question. If, if we don't do anything for them, aren't we in dereliction of our duty? Sure we are. And then number three, we need to be witnessing. Look at that phrase there again in that verse. It says, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. Now look down to verse number 11. Behold, the Lord hath proclaimed unto the end of the world. Say ye to the daughter of Zion. They said in verse 1, for Zion's sake, he said, Now say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. He gave us this command here in verse 11. He said, Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. And he said, Proclaim it to the end of the world. And just as in Acts chapter 1, Jerusalem's a point of reference, and the end of the world would be the uttermost part of the earth. If that is our location, then the Lord has a job for us. He has something for us to tell the daughter of Zion. We're supposed to tell them of salvation that came to them. And who can bring it? Jesus Christ. And that's what the Gentile ministry is doing. We're seeing a few saved. We've seen a few baptized. We all sang that song, I will sing in the mercies of the Lord forever. One of our first Jewish converts is named Itamar. And he's got that real squirrely little Jewish voice. And we would sing, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. He'd go, I will sing. <laughs> I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing. I will sing of the Lord of the Lord. And he just repeated. And he just fell in love with that song. Every time I hear that song, I see it tomorrow's face. I hear him going, I will sing. I will sing. <laughs> hey, he got saved. And baptized in the Sea of Galilee. We're seeing more Bibles handed out, people talk to. We're working hard. We're not resting for Zion's sake. Now, I want you to think with me for a moment and I'll be done. What have the Jews given you and me as Gentiles? Our Messiah is Jewish. Amen. This Bible, do you understand how meticulous this Bible was to get to where it is today? An interesting thought. Now, I don't know this. I can't say this definitively. I'll say every place I've been in Israel 
where they have put uh, a description like Gideon Springs or, or Caesarea Philippi, Banya Springs or Mount Hermon or anything like that. And, and the Israelis will put out a, a little thing and it'll have it over here in Hebrew and it'll tell them what that place is. And it'll try. And then over here in English it'll say this is Bet Shan and you know Bet Shan where Jonathan and Saul were, were hung, their bodies were there and all that stuff. And, and, and so Bet Shan and everywhere in the land of Israel where they put the Word of God in English that I have read has been a King James Bible. So I come back to America and I say, here's an unsaved Jew who hadn't been corrupted by an independent Baptist Bible thumper. And when he's looking for the best translation, he uses a King James. Which just simply reaffirms to me, I got the right book. But it came from the Jews. The New Testament, salvation, the Lord's Supper. I'm telling you, talking about the name Baptist. Look, I've been preaching for 43 years, almost 44 years. I, I really get tired of when people duck their head when they say they're a Baptist. Man, you ought to say it with pride. Sometimes I wish my name was Bob the Baptist so I could be Bob the Baptist. Instead of Gary the Baptist. The first New Testament church, the first New Testament pastors, the first missionaries. You understand, you and I might be worshiping the birds and the crickets or the sun and the moon and the stars if not for Jews doing their part in God's plan of salvation for the world. We wouldn't be saved. We wouldn't have the Word of God. We'd have no idea how to have a church or how to send out missionaries if it wasn't for the Jews. And I believe the Apostle Paul, or at least some of his followers, took the gospel to Europe and Great Britain, the land of my forefathers, the, the country of Wales and the Way River, Henry way, Gary way, somebody took the gospel to my forefathers and brought it to America, and I'm born in America with the Word of God. I owe the Jews something. I could have been born in Africa. I'd be walking around half naked, thinking that God was in a tree. I'm thankful what the Jews. Now listen to me carefully and I'm done. You and I don't have one thing of spiritual value that didn't come from a Jew. Nothing. Anything that's spiritual value came from a Jew. Now with that in mind, the least we can do is to do everything in our power to be a blessing back to the Jews. That's the least we can do is do everything we can to make sure that they have a Bible for the first time. You ought to see them, we'll hand them a Bible, and, and they'll look at it. Of course, they know what it is, and, and they look at it. They, it you know, it's Holy Scriptures, and they'll go, and they'll go, hey, you and I, we got six, seven Bibles. I probably got 30, 40 Bibles. Raised in a Christian home, started going to church nine months before I was born. <laughs> Some of you figured it out later. That's all I've ever known. But putting the hands of the Word of God in the hands of a Jewish person never had the Word of God. That's the least we can do. What are we doing? Our duty, something that should please us, is to do everything we can, both spiritually and carnally, to get those Jews to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. My friend Dotto, last March, put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Now... I understand. Now, I understand. You and I have a duty to reach the Jews. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together tonight. People have listened very well.
And we have a job to do as Gentiles. It's to be a blessing.